title of my message this morning is Hearing God. And I want to present a couple questions to you trying to build a foundation. Which First question is this. Does God still speak? That's the question we're going to consider. I heard a couple of yeses. Well, you may be surprised to know a lot of people uh, don't agree with you. Some people think God doesn't speak. That was kind of sealed up and done with uh, when the Bible was written and not anymore. And so there's some disagreement about that. But if God does still speak today, another question to consider would be, what is he saying? Because I'd like to know, right? So instead of going through all of the different arguments and the people's opinions about um, does he speak or not, and all the different ways to interpret the scriptures, I'm just going to go straight to the source. His name's Jesus. Jesus says that my sheep listen to my voice. That's what Jesus says. And if Jesus says that, I'm going to be inclined to believe him. My sheep listen to my voice. And I'm going to read the scripture where he says that to you. But let me explain the context first because it's important. It's in John chapter 10. If you want to flip there real quick, you can. Uh, he's, Jesus is hanging out in the temple. And uh, the Jews, it says the Jews are like hounding him. And they, they just won't leave him alone. They're like, Jesus, alone. They said, Jesus, when are you going to tell us? Don't leave us in suspense anymore. Can you just tell us, are you the Messiah or not? And Jesus responds, and it almost seems like he responds a little bit sarcastically, and he's like, I did tell you, but you weren't listening. You weren't paying attention. You weren't watching. And then he says this in verse 27. He says, listen, guys, my sheep, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. That's what happens when we hear the voice of Jesus. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand because I and the Father are one. Somebody say amen to that scripture, right? That's, that's the gospel right there. That's what's available for those of us who call him our good shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture, of his flock, and we hear his voice. And so very clearly we see here the answer to that first question. Yes, God does speak. Amen. But now we have to consider the second part of the question, which is what is he saying? It's probably cool. I'd like to know. So let's look at the book of Acts now to find out. Skip ahead a little, a couple of books. The book of Acts chapter 2. And I'll, I'll set it up just so you can know what's happening in the context of this chapter. The day of Pentecost has come where the Holy Spirit just comes radically on the believers of Jesus who before that time were afraid that they were going to die. They were hiding in a room, thought that they were going to be crucified just like Jesus was. And then the Holy Spirit comes and changes everything and just lights them on fire with all this boldness and courage. And they go out into the world to make disciples of all the nations. And Peter leads the way. He just comes out of the room, starts preaching. In verse Chapter 2, verse 17, this is what he says. <clears throat> he says, in the last days, how many know we're in the last days right now? Anybody else? <laughs> we're in the last days right now. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. Your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's cool. That's supernatural kind of things happening here. Even on my servants, both men and women, that includes everybody. He says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will what? Prophesy. prophesy. 
I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Somebody say amen. That's good news. That's a prophetic word given by the prophet Joel, then quoted by Peter in that moment. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on the believers, like I said. And ever since then, Holy Spirit has brought the supernatural aspects of the kingdom of God to earth. And we live in that reality today. Many people are not aware of that. But we live in the supernatural reality of the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. In that scripture, it said sons... And daughters will prophesy. They will prophesy. Let's talk about what prophesying means. What is the definition? Now, there are many different forms of prophecy in the Bible. They, a lot of them work together and kind of overlap a little bit. And it's hard to give like a real clear-cut definition. This is what it is, what it isn't, uh, because it's a supernatural thing. But I'm going to try. Generally speaking, most people think of when they hear prophesy or pro prophetic or whatever, they think of predicting the future. This is going to happen at this time uh, when they're referring to prophecy. And, and that is a significant biblical form of prophecy, but it's not necessarily the one that's being referred to in these scriptures here. Not really what we're talking to about today. A little bit, but not much. So um, if I were to define this, I have two definitions. One's long, one's short. The long one would be this. The gift of prophecy is more confirmational than it is directional. It's confirming something. God reveals his will to you, and then he confirms it by speaking through others to you. Okay, it's confirmational. The prophet speaks with a word of knowledge. Okay, so that's a long version. A shorter version could just be summarized as this. Speaking the word of God with the expectation that it will bear fruit. Just speaking the word of God. He already wrote it all down, and we just speak it out loud with this expectation. Something's going to happen. Something's going to change. But here's the key, guys. The word of God is the key in all of this. It is our foundation, especially when it comes to prophesying. How many know that the, the word of God is powerful? Amen? It is alive. It's not just a bunch of random ink and letters put together on a page, but it is a powerful thing. And God talks about this in the book of Isaiah. If you can go there in chapter 55, God is explaining the power of his word. And because it's such a supernatural thing that we kind of like, uh, don't, it's hard for me to understand, God paints a picture for us. He just makes a vision for us to help us understand. He says this in verse 10. He says, as the rain and the snow, like in Colorado Springs comes down from heaven and they do not return to heaven without watering the earth first and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater that literally gives food. He says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire. It will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. There is power in the word of God. Other translations say that God's word will not return void, right? You write a check and somebody goes to cash it and there's no money in the bank, it's going to come back void. Not with God's word. There is power in his word, in the spoken word of God. 
Did you know there is a supernatural event that happens when we speak the word of God? Do you know that happens? Would you just, would just read the Bible out loud in a situation? Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Just want to encourage you with that. Something supernatural happens in that moment. It will not return empty to the Lord. It will accomplish what it was set forth to do. There's power in his word. I want to read to you a quote from somebody who uh, is talking about prophesying, but like in today's world, in, in our current culture. Matter of fact, she lives in town here. Uh, her name is Lisa Bevere. And this is, she just absolutely nails it. Couldn't say it better, so I'm not. I'm just going to read it word for word. From Lisa Bevere, she says, You're going to need to prophesy. Because we have a generation that is, instead of prophesying, prophesying they're criticizing. You see all the words on Twitter, see all the things on Instagram and Facebook, but it takes no anointing to criticize. It takes a whole lot of faith and anointing to prophesy order into chaos, hope into despair. We are a people who do not stand on this earth and just echo our culture, but we pull down the word of God and release the words of heaven into the earth. You need to prophesy. Somebody say amen. That's a good word. Go ahead, Lisa. Preach it. Amen, girl. That's what I'm talking about. There's power in his word, and she is absolutely echoing what God has said in Isaiah 55. Just like when the snow and the rain come, it's going to bring life. Things are going to grow from it. There's going to be food that comes from it. You're going to be able to nourish yourself. That's what God's word does. And so we look around in this world and see death and destruction and, and desert spaces and just Really, really bad things everywhere. And we need something that will not deteriorate and rot. And it's called the word of God, which brings life. There's power in his word. Amen? Okay. So, if you're anything like me for, for many, many years, at this point in church, maybe watching it online, you may be thinking to yourself, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable. It's kind of weird, this prophecy thing. Like what, you hear from God? Really? And um, I, I love Jesus. I'm grateful he died on the cross for me. But the prophet's thing is kind of for the mystics, the weirdos. They, they stay over here. I'm going to stay in my lane. But I want you to at least be bold enough to ask the question, what is at stake if we don't prophesy? Is it a big deal? Does, does anybody care? Like, if not, oh, well, we can go home. Well, Paul actually answers that question about what's at stake in the book of Romans. Go to Romans 10, and he's talking here about lost people. People who are, apart from Jesus, going to go to hell when they die. Which is a huge deal. Specifically, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles who are lost. And Paul, in this scripture, he's making a plea to us to lead them to salvation through Jesus. It's a big deal. So he's going to tell us how to do that. But notice what he says is required to get them to that place where they give their life to Jesus like these awesome young men did this morning. Verse 13, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That sounds familiar. But now he starts asking questions. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them, speaking, 
prophesying. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So consequently, here's the summary. Faith, salvation, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. I mean, it's pretty basic stuff here, right? Like, it makes a lot of sense. Very logical. But we must prophesy the word of God to lead people to salvation. That's what's at stake. You get that? If you don't speak it out, how will they know? They won't. We must prophesy. Now, a lot of times we get that understanding, yeah, I want to help um, baptize people and go out to all nations and make them disciples. I want to do that, but I, I was just kind of get right to the door and then I, I back off because we have either told ourselves or been taught that in order to lead people to Christ, you got to like convince them by having the best argument, a better argument than theirs, right? And then you realize really quickly that like your five friends all have five different arguments and you have to have a really good argument to convince them, really argument to convince them, and this is getting really hard. And then there's more people in the world than just my five friends. How am I going to do this? This is really overwhelming. Forget it. I ain't going to do it. I want to encourage you, this is not what Paul is saying. You don't have to go win an argument to lead people to Christ. What you need to do is let the word of God do the work for you. Let the word of God do the work for you. Prophesy it. Speak it. Hey, bro, I know you're going through some stuff, man. I love you. I hope this doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. I just want to tell you. John 3.16 says, For God so loves you that he gave his only son for you, that whoever believes in him, including you, will not perish, but have eternal life. And that, I, just, I think that's really awesome. It's changed my life. So I just want to encourage you with that. That's it. No pressure. Boom. The word of God will not return void. It will accomplish something. Something's going to change. Speak it out to your families, to your, to your family members, your friends, your coworkers. It will not return void. Boy, let the work of God do the work for you. Now, at this point, honestly, I've only been kind of setting a foundation so we can get to the really good stuff without you being confused when we get there. And so let's, let's review what we've covered so far. Number one, God is speaking. My sheep listen to my voice. He is speaking, whether you're listening or not. Number two, there's power in God's word. And number three, we are called to prophesy. God will pour out his spirit on everybody. Sons and daughters, men and women will prophesy. But now I want to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in this process. This is where it gets really fun. This goes a little bit beyond our intellectual knowledge of, okay, yeah, the scripture says that. You convinced me, Matt. But what is the Holy Spirit's role in this? If you can, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let me kind of explain what's going to happen here. Paul is, is teaching about the role of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to give us a, a list, a long list, of all these really cool gifts that the Holy Spirit offers to believers. But before we get there, he's setting a foundation too, again, so you're not confused. And he says in verse 5, he says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. 
There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Verse 7. This is really, really important. Pay attention. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the what? Common good. Why is that important? Because the list he's about to give you is not to be used to manipulate people. It is not to be used for evil. And it's not to be used for self-promotion or making other people feel like they're less of a Christian if they don't understand or they don't operate in these gifts or they're stupid because they don't get it. None of that is to be used for the common good. These are good things. This should put a smile on your face, not create division or arguments. So verse 8, with that in mind, verse 8, he says, here we go. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Verse 10, to another, miraculous powers. You guys say this one. To another, prophecy. We already went over that. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Nine total gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. He says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. They're gifts. It's up to him. When he gives them, that's his choice. When he doesn't, that's his choice. So nine gifts there, and we could spend a whole lot of time talking about them, but I want to focus in on three in particular. These three really are, are very intertwined together. They work together. They serve each other. And you need to be aware of them in, in the context of hearing from God. The first one we've already talked about on that list is the gift of prophecy. I've already defined it. The, sec- the second and third would be the word of knowledge or the message of knowledge, as that translation said, or the gift of dis- and the gift of distinguishing between spirits. Those two, word of knowledge, distinguishing between spirits. A lot of translations call it discernment. We need to talk about those. First of all, let me give you a definition for the gift of a word of knowledge. This is... Knowing something in the past, the present, or the future as though you are seeing it in person. I wasn't there, but I'm seeing it like I was. It is oftentimes used in conjunction with the gift of prophecy where one sees something and then shares it prophetically. I'll give you an example out of scripture where Jesus actually operated in this gift. In John chapter 1, verse 45, if you've read that part, you probably remember there's a guy named Nathaniel whose life is falling apart and, and everything is just terrible and he's having a bad day sitting under a fig tree all by himself, crying out to God, all by himself. Well, a couple days later, he gets introduced to Jesus and Jesus is like, oh, Nathaniel, yeah, I know you. I saw you sitting under the fig tree the other day. And Nathaniel's like, no, you didn't. I was alone. <laughs> like, no, uh, that's impossible. He's like, yeah, I saw you, and I heard what you're saying. So Nathaniel's mind is blown. Like, how is that? That's impossible. That's a supernatural thing. Surely you are the Messiah. That's incredible. And so Jesus there is giving us an example of the gift of a word of knowledge. He wasn't there, but he saw it as though he was. And obviously Jesus can do anything. He's awesome. It's really easy for him. But that's just a real practical example of Jesus just flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And so many times, in order to prophesy, you need to tap into a world of knowledge so you know what to say. 
because we can't be people out here just kind of shooting from the hip. I think God's saying this today, pow, you know, like I'm just guessing, boom. No, you need to have this gift of the word of knowledge first. That's a really important part, which brings up a crucial question, which is, how do I know if it's a word from God? That's important. Was it the pizza I had last night? Was it the show I was binge watching last night and I had a dream? That happens to me all the time. The way that you know is told to us by John that you need to test the spirits. Test the spirits. This is the practical use of the gift of distinguishing between spirits. Testing. If you're unsure, test the spirits. Okay, let's look at that. First John and 4, verse 1. Everybody doing okay? Thank you. All the Texans online, give me a howdy. <clears throat> Test the spirits, 1 John 4 and 1. He says, dear friends, pay attention, this is so important. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hello. The game just changed. This is some serious business. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Jesus warns us extremely sternly, beware false prophets. They will deceive you. They are like sheep or wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. Beware. There's a battle going on to deceive you. Verse 2, he says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. There it is. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Did you know that? This, this kind of mythical, legendary figure called the Antichrist, his spirit is already in the world, working today in your life, trying to get you, trying to deceive you, lead you down a path. This is how many of the world religions started because somebody was like, I've heard from God. I had a prophetic word, and here we go. So, how do you know? If it's from God, here are some key questions to ask. Number one, does the word that you're hearing acknowledge Jesus is from God? Period. <laughs> Question mark. Does the word you're hearing acknowledge Jesus is from God? That's how you know these other religions who deny Jesus. That wasn't from the Lord. Number two, does it go against what God has already spoken in Scripture? God will never contradict his word, ever. I don't care who you are or how cool that dream was or how real that voice was in your head. He will never contradict Scripture, ever. I'll give you an example, just a real practical example. I've heard this so many times. Uh, a, a dude will come up to me and be like, Matt, I'm not happy in my marriage anymore, man. I'm just not happy. She bothers me. All I do are chores. It's like I just have a roommate. I'm not happy. So I think that God is saying that he wants me to be with another woman. Yep, that's a prophetic word from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Time to start dating. Well, this goes against what God has already written in Scripture. Let me give you an example. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. How many know that when Christ was loving the church on the cross... He probably wasn't feeling real happy. 
He was feeling love, but it was sacrificial love, painful love. And I'm not saying that happiness is bad, like nobody's allowed to be happy in your marriage if you're a Christian, suck it up. No, happiness is good. Like, I want a happy marriage, but everybody who has a brain knows a real relationship isn't always happy. You got to put in the work. You got to sacrifice sometimes. You got to lose an argument here and there, right? You got to do some chores, dude. Chill. It's going to be okay. That's not a word from God that contradicts scripture. Sorry. Another way to find out if it's from God is that it must be edifying to the body. It must be edifying. What does that mean? To the body. It must strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Remember I said it can't, shouldn't be manipulating, shouldn't be putting people down, making them feel bad. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 3. He says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now we're talking. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That'd be great. But I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. It has to be edifying. It is given for the common good. Give you an example. Many years ago, different church that I was a part of, there was an older couple in the church. The, uh, the man actually was on my worship team, played trombone. Um, and they unfortunately had recently lost their adult son to a car accident, and he died. And he left the grandsons, the grandchildren, and it was just horrible, just absolutely devastated this, his parents, my friends, just heartbroken. Additionally, this man was in the midst of multiple knee surgeries, and he lived in constant pain. And he was so bad that he would like walk like this, like ready to praise the Lord. I remember on Easter, he'd be like, he is risen. Like he is risen indeed. And he'd get up and boop, boop, boop. But he was in pain all the time. It was a horrible season for them, just horrible. Well, after church one day, someone came up to them and said, God has given me a word for you. Here's the word. There is great trouble and tribulation coming your way this year. I don't know what it is, but it's not good. Thus saith the Lord. Now, does that sound comforting or edifying in any way? They left the church that day in tears. That's not cool. It's not fair. They were in utter fear of what might happen next. I remember praying with him, and he was crying, literally crying out, God, how could this be? Have we not gone through enough? Why would you say that? That was not a word from God. That was not edifying in any way. It was not strengthening or comforting or encouraging. Now, I'll give you a positive example. Um, this, this has happened many times in worship here in our church. I remember one in particular um, a couple years ago. I was leading worship, standing right here, and we're singing, doing our songs, and worshiping the Lord, and God just grabs my attention, almost like he interrupts me. And he says, Matt, I want you to tell the people that are in church today, I see them. Specifically, I see the soldiers 
and their families. And immediately God gave me that word of knowledge, a vision in my mind as, of, of soldiers who are about to go on yet another deployment and their, their wives are weeping at home because they're going to be left with their children alone. And not to mention the husband's going into battle. And God says, I want you to tell them that I see them and they are not alone and that there's still hope with me. I am with them. And that's like, hold on, guys, stop singing. I got a word from the Lord. I, you know, you can't say it quick enough. Listen, this is what God just said. I just want to encourage you. How many of you know that's an edifying word? That's strengthening and it's encouraging. I remember I was standing out in the lobby and people came up to me in tears like that. When you said that, that was like a word from God for me. Amen? Another time, um, a couple weeks ago, Colton, our worship leader, Colton May, uh, he was up here at the 11 o'clock service, leading worship, going after it, and he received a word of knowledge while leading worship that there were people in the room that morning that were dealing with night terrors. God just, like, say, hey, pay attention, Colton. People are dealing with night terrors. So Colton's like, hold on, I, I got a word from the Lord. God just told me that, and he he says, I, I should pray for you. So if that's you, can you raise your hand? And like hands went up all over. And Colton's like, in Jesus' name, be released from that. Be, be redeemed from these night terrors. You're going to sleep a good night in Jesus' name. No more anxiety and no more fear. In Jesus' name, and people got delivered. That was awesome. Like, that's so edifying, so encouraging. And that is what is available and powerful in these things when, when prophecy happens, when the word of God goes out and the spirit gives gifts to us. There's powerful healing and incredible comfort that comes with it. And so the point that I, I really want to make here is that if we are to be practicing discernment, then there should be something that we need to discern. We shouldn't be walking around ignoring the voices. Like, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because we should really be actively listening to God's voice and really be aware of what the other voices sound like. That is not from the Lord. Instead of like, oh, you're really charismatic. Let me just believe you. Mainstream media, right? That's a good example. We should be actively listening to God's voice so we can filter out what's from him and what's not. So I want to ask you another question. We've discussed about how to hear from God and how to give a prophetic word. But what do you do if you're the person who receives a prophetic word through somebody else? They tell you, I have a word from God for you. How do you respond? Well, again, the, the rule is still there. Test the spirits. Test the spirits. Do not believe every spirit. There are false prophets out there trying to manipulate you, trying to deceive you, okay? Test the spirits. And if it checks those boxes, and it is a prophetic word from God, then you have a choice. And here's your choice. You can choose to reject it pridefully or to receive it humbly. That's really all you have to do. That's your choice. Reject it pridefully or receive it hum humbly. Another story. Again, many years ago, I, I knew a pastor who had gone through a similar tragic loss of a family member, uh, cancer, I believe, and devastated, heartbroken, horrible. Somebody, I think maybe a couple years later, came up to him and said, Pastor, I think I have a word from God for you. And if it's okay, I'd like to share that with you 
um, because I, I think that God might be wanting to bring some, some comfort to you and, and maybe even a little bit of explanation. And he said, shut up. You shut up. Because if he hasn't revealed it to me, definitely hasn't revealed it to you, so shut up. And he walked away. Now, obviously, there's still so much hurt and pain in that guy's heart that hasn't been processed, hasn't been healed, and that is so real, and I empathize. I totally empathize. But what if God was trying to bring comfort to him? Right, like... He's, he's hurting so bad. And then the like, Holy Spirit's like, I got a gift for you. I got a gift. And the strength that you totally need, you're just you're out of strength. And here I am to bring it to you. But instead, because of pride, you just shut it down. You rejected it. And you missed it. Man, that sucks. He's still going to heaven, right? Still loves Jesus. There's nothing bad is going to happen. But he missed out on the good. It's like when you, if you had a, a garden that was drying up and rain was coming and you put a tarp over your garden like, no, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see that. Why, why would you do that? You have a choice to reject it pridefully or receive it humbly. I'll, I'll share a story. Of, I've, this has happened to me many times, so I had to just choose one. But um, I was having lunch one day at Chipotle with... My friends, from, actually from worship team, and uh, hanging out outside, enjoying our burrito. And uh, a young man comes over to our table. I remember what he looks like. He was a stranger. He was an African-American guy with cool fro. And he said very respectfully, he's like, hey, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know you're eating and you're having a conversation, so excuse me. But I, I was just sitting over there enjoying my burrito. And I looked over at you guys, and I just saw the Holy Spirit all over you. Just like I can't deny it. And God just told me to, to come over here and tell you that he just loves you guys. He sees what you're doing and he's super proud of you. So that's it. Sorry to interrupt. You guys have a good day. And he walked away. Like how cool is that? That's so awesome. We were so encouraged. And we had a choice. We could have chosen to dismiss him. Like dude, okay weirdo. I'm trying to eat. Right? Bye bye. Keep your distance. Right? Let's call the cops. But instead, we were humbled. We were humbled, man, to know the Holy Spirit was with us. And we were just hanging out, talking about the football game that was going to happen that day. And God redirected us to pay attention. Something spiritually is happening. The fact that the Holy Spirit is, is with us. And isn't that cool? There's nothing wrong with talking about the football game. But there's something way cooler than realizing, oh, wow, the Holy Spirit's here. Thank you, Lord. You didn't have to say that. But you did. Isn't that cool? That's what I want for you guys. So to summarize, what I hope that you hear from me today is that, that God is absolutely speaking to you. And not only does he want you to listen, but he wants you to speak those messages out loud. Because honestly, when God grabs your attention like that or even interrupts you to give you a word, at that point it's not about you. It could literally lead to somebody's salvation in Jesus. And yeah, you might, it might feel a little uncomfortable, a little weird. Like, I don't even know you. I'm sorry. I'm going through the drive-thru. And God just, like when I saw your face, said, tell her I love her. And I'll do anything for her. 
including giving my son to die for her sins. I hope that doesn't freak you out, but God interrupted me to tell you that. So thanks for the food. Here's my money. Have a good day. You know, like that could be a life-changing word. Life-changing. You have no idea what she's going through that day. She could very likely be dealing with suicidal thoughts or questioning if God even exists. And he's like, hey, I got somebody coming through the drive-thru. Let me use them to tell you. How cool is that? God wants to do that through you. That's why he gives us these gifts like the gift of prophecy. And you know what? It takes zero faith to ignore his voice. And just stay silent. Oh, don't want to hear it. I'll, I'll look stupid. I don't want to hear it. Don't talk to me. That takes zero faith. But it takes great faith to prophesy the word of God to a world that is in desperate need of it. Amen? You don't have to look very hard to see the incredible need for Jesus, for life-giving word of God power. So I want to encourage you, starting today, to start actively listening to what God is saying And then be bold enough to share it to whoever he tells you to share it to. That would be how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. It would be a beautiful thing.